Hello and welcome to the podcast for the August 2009 issue of The Lancet Infectious Diseases. I'm Richard Lane and this month I'm joined by editor of TLID, John McConnell. Unsurprisingly, I guess, covering influenza. Welcome, John. Let's start with the leader, the Leading Edge editorial. Just read out the title. It has a curious title and I'd like to explain it. Well, the title of the editorial is Running Faster to Stay in the Same Place, looking at how uh, the influenza virus is a constantly moving target and we have to constantly um, uh, update and revise our weapons in terms of surveillance treatment and, uh, and vaccination. Which a lot of the content of this issue alludes to actually so perhaps you just want to start with um, a news desk item which actually talks about the surveillance achievement so far. Of course surveillance is a is a big issue in, in tracking the evolution of any pandemic and it was interesting I think that countries in Africa were, were the la- apparently the last to be uh, affected by the uh, the pandemic vaccine H1N1 strain. My belief is and, I, and it's alluded to in this uh, news desk uh, feature is that that's all to do with surveillance it's all to do with how hard you're looking and of course uh, the, the wealthy countries of the world which have surveillance laboratories in place they are more likely to find the virus early than those countries in the world which have absolutely no surveillance system in place. I think it's very much a question if you if you seek you will find and in Africa and other poor parts of the world then the virus really isn't being looked for because they don't really have the resources. Moving on John I see uh, one of the reviews covers an interesting topic that's not particularly clinical it's to do with closing schools just tell us about this one the authors who are from imperial college in london have looked at the evidence that closing schools may limit the um, spread of the pandemic virus now of course all flu viruses seem to be particularly prone to infecting children or certainly to spreading through through children and i think that's got a lot to do with the way with their the, the social mixing of children and also to do with the fact that it's it's kind of hard to Im- much harder to implement hygiene good hygiene measures in children than it is in in adults so schools are known to be mixing vessels for mixing and spreading vessels for the for the flu virus so would closing schools have an effect on the spread of the pandemic and the extent of the pandemic well yes they might seems to be the conclusion of this review looking at evidence from earlier outbreaks but it appears that for the effect to be meaningful then the school closures have to be implemented fairly early on. And my feeling is that the the time for closures has actually passed, is that the virus is already far too widespread in the, in the community for school closures to have a meaningful effect. And we also have to consider, and the authors do this very carefully, we also have to consider the downside, the potential economic downside of cl- school closures, because a large proportion of the workforce will be stuck at home looking after the children who are not in school. And that will have a, an effect on productivity, it will have an effect on running of uh, the transport system, or effect on, very importantly, uh, an effect on the, the health service. So the, the downsides of cl- school closures have to be balanced against the um, the uncertain benefits. Indeed, it does sound a little bit like stable doors and horses, and rather similar to the, the issue we discussed a couple of months ago, which is about restriction of air travel. It might be perceived as a popular thing to do, but probably, as you say, too late on now. Yes, I, I rather fear it's um, uh, these social distancing measures now, if they are implemented, it's in, in an effort to seem to be doing something rather than actually doing anything effective. And John, just mention briefly the review, which is looking at the the effect of influenza on a population with um, immune suppression. Any infection is more likely to be burdensome on people who have suppressed immunity 
than it is on uh, healthy individuals with a, with a good immune system. And this certainly appears to be the case in, for example, people who have HIV infection, who are, according to this review, where the authors have gathered together the available data, who are more likely, for example, to require hospital admission for influenza than are other, otherwise health, healthy individuals. So the implication here is that these are people who perhaps should be targeted for vaccination first, though, of course, they will, as, as part of their restricted immunity, the vaccine may not be so effective in them, but there's no evidence that they should not be vaccinated. So I think we have an important subpopulation here who needs special care and attention when it comes to managing the, the flu pandemic. And John, returning to the Leading Edge editorial, a couple of things struck me there as well. Well, firstly, that the, if you like, there's a background level of mortality just by seasonal influenza could be as high as half a million people a year, which is a pretty remarkable figure, isn't it? I think in a particularly bad seasonal flu season, then yes, that that can, can be the case. And uh, there can be anything up to um, 5 million severe cases of flu every year, and perhaps anything up to a quarter to half, half a billion cases of, um, uh, of flu worldwide in total. In a just And that's just a seasonal epidemic. You talk towards the end of the editorial about how lessons seem to have been learned from previous uh, flu influenza outbreaks, but that we mustn't be complacent. Do you want to just summarise, if you like, the key issues that still remain? Well, I think we've we've been able to react pretty quickly to uh, this outbreak. I mean, we were we knew what the virus was. We knew about its genome. We were able to produce diagnostic kits. We uh, were able to produce a vaccine strain and release that to manufacturers. All within uh, weeks of the appearance of the uh, of the virus. We still do have uh, important things to consider. We probably do need a much more extensive surveillance system. We have to think whether we can uh, produce uh, treatment guidelines for various at-risk groups much more quickly than we have done so far. Even these issues have, have started to move along. And then, of course, I think it's very important to remember that, uh, as with most infectious diseases, it is the poorer parts of the world who won't be able to afford the, the drugs and the vaccines who, unfortunately, will be um, worse affected. And finally, John, just mention briefly the upcoming uh, influenza conference in China. By coincidence, the Lancet has been arranging now for uh, the past year or so a, a flu conference, which is taking place in Beijing on August 21st to 23rd. We have been able to um, redirect the program, modify the program, so that we're taking in a lot of content now related to the uh, H1N1 uh, pandemic. Uh, and this meeting has now been